Welcome to episode 240 of The Digital Life, a show about our insights into the future of design and technology. I'm your host, John Follett, and with me is founder and co-host, Dirk Niemeyer. Greetings, listeners. For our podcast this week, we're going to chat about all the new tech fun as CES 2018 uh, gets started in Vegas. Now, uh, CES has become you know, what I would consider sort of the de facto emerging technologies showcase uh, for a lot of companies. And, uh, you know, every year we see more and more sort of early stage, early adopter type technologies make their debut at uh, CES. And I think this year uh, it's true uh, now more than ever. John, how has CES evolved over the years? I'm not familiar enough. Maybe you aren't either. But when I thought of CES a decade ago, it was like, okay, it's the hottest new phones. It's the hottest new computers. It's the hottest new monitors. It was sort of, you know, incrementally, evolutionarily the, the latest in personal computing to some large degree. And it sounds like it's taken on a form that's much more diverse than that. So what, what's, the, what's the history of that to whatever degree you're familiar? Yeah, I'm uh, familiar with it uh, only to a certain extent, but I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. The, uh, um, the CES uh, you know, uh, convention was you know, the Consumer Electronics Show, right? That was uh, what the acronym stood for. I don't know if they're still, you know, using that or they're just calling it CES now. Um, but you're right. It began with much, uh, much more mundane consumer electronics. And notably, when Apple was making such big waves with the iPhone, they would sort of deliberately uh, put their uh, major announcements and show like a week later or a month later, right? Like they, Apple would not go uh, to this this show, almost as if uh, you know they were too big. Uh, Apple necessitated their own show, right? Um, when I think of CES, I think of Microsoft, for, which may be right or wrong, but like that's the brand association in my mind of what's going on. Yeah, historically at CES, it, it's definitely uh, grown uh, quite a bit over over the years. I mean, it just keeps growing and growing, and and I think. Um, it's become this, you know, sort of monolithic showcase that it just wasn't uh, in the past. Now, I went to CES maybe four or so years ago, and I'll tell you, I mean, um, there's huge diversity of um, uh, uh, displays and things like that, and there's there's just there's parties just everywhere, and there's just endless, you can't really walk the show floor because it is so big. It just keeps on going on forever and ever. And you really need to be wearing like your hiking boots or something because it's just room. Walking stick, John. Yeah, room after room after room of electronics. And, you know, I, you know, in some ways it, you know, it reminds me of the kinds of kind of growth that, uh, you know, South by Southwest, for instance, uh, has been has been going through. There's There's certain... Uh, uh, tech, uh, big, big tent tech uh, uh, con- conventions now, conferences, and uh, you know South by Southwest is 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 a lot of that for digital, and and CES is that for uh, sort of hardware software combination, um, consumer type electronics, which 
you know, is now being driven by emerging technologies. And I think that's where where our interest lies. But it, it's it's amazing to me uh, how much, you know, the show, as you rightfully pointed out, has has really changed over time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, I've, I've noticed sort of the initial uh, announcements coming out of CES really match with some of the things that we've been talking about on the show, and, and namely uh, that uh, virtual assistants and AI are just being built into just about everything. Yeah. Um, and in fact, it's interesting, you know, Alexa, uh, the, um, the Amazon uh, AI virtual assistant, uh, clearly, Amazon has been has been flogging the partnerships because Alexa is just showing up in all sorts of third party products right now. And of, of particular uh, interest to us, um, to 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 you and me, are are the smart home products, right? So so those those are uh, automating, controlling, extending, enhancing. The digital, you know, and physical life of your home. Yeah. Um, in particular, uh, you know, our our design studio has has done a lot of uh, sort of health related smart home uh, concept designs. Yeah. Uh, one of the most prominent of those being sort of the bathroom as as health room, and and it's interesting to see as Alexa starts getting integrated into uh, the bathroom sort of uh, related products, it's really moving uh, the, the bathroom more into a smart room kind of category, not the, the health room sort of measuring uh, some, of the, some of the health metrics and delivering useful health information uh, on a timely basis to the user in the bathroom. It's not there yet, but we're starting to see some of the, uh, the inklings of that. There are, there's um, you know, uh, a smart mirror from Kohler, which does, you know, sort of very, very limited things around uh, the, the way the lighting is handled. Or there's, there's a smart shower head, which can control the temperature of the water. So, so there's little um, nibbles at this uh, bathroom, I you know call it. I think it's accurate to say it's it's becoming a smart room. It's not into the into the health room category. Um, you know, that it's we, not even that smart yet, right? It's yeah, dabbling. It, let's it, say it, it's uh, it's media mediocre student uh, bathroom, right? So it's it's not even all that smart yet. But that's happening, and and it's notable that Amazon is really pushing hard. Um, and so, of course, for every um, action, there is an equal and opposite reaction from, in this case, Google, um, and they don't want to be left out of the smart home, uh, you know. And so Google has bought all kinds of advertising all around Vegas, and they've, of course, got their Google Home and, and their AI and, and virtual assistants that are, that are going to be built into things as well. Yeah. So it, there's a little bit of a smart home showdown this year. Uh, between Amazon and Google, um, I'm sure uh, you know other. There will be other players as well. It feels like Apple is is lagging behind in in that sector. Shock sure. of shocks! Apple lagging behind in a sector. Ooh, wow! What a surprise! But the I, I you know I so so I think connecting our uh, digital services and sort of the physical home environment is is a big um, theme, big emphasis. Uh, of of the CES show this year. Um, another 
uh, thing that I've noticed from from some of the early product announcements, and, and this was a supp- uh, surprise to me, that uh, innovation in displays is still an area that is that is uh, important and attracting uh, a lot of attention, and and some of that is. Uh, displays, you know, just just for for the home, and then some of that is displays actually in in automobiles, uh, which which I find uh, a little disconcerting to think that the automobile is the next you know next realm for having all sorts of screens everywhere. But there already is screens everywhere, though, right? Sure, I, it, it's 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 still to me the some of these concept cars that that are rolling out at at CES have. You know, uh, instead of a dashboard, you know, and we've seen these before, you just have this giant screen, right? So so you have a screen that takes up, you know, the front of your vehicle now. You no longer have the, you know, the dials that we're used to or the physical dials. Uh, accoutrement. You're so cute, John. Dials. What's a dial? Come right. On. I, the, just making everything digital in the car, I'm so, you know— even being acclimated to software the way I am, it still freaks me out a little bit to think that uh, that the dashboard of a car would be entirely digital. It, you know, not just you know, just like for the radio or the sat, you know, the satellite radio or whatever it is, or or maybe for a map. Okay, can I can accept that? Yeah. But everything you go in there and it's just blank. It's like starting out with your laptop screen. There's nothing. Yeah. You know what? I, I always, you know, I'm a little scared. Like, what happens if the car doesn't start? I'll just be sitting here looking at this cold, cold uh, blank display and not know what to do. But looking at a gauge with a little plastic thing on zero makes you feel nice and warm and fuzzy. I it, it just there's there's a little bit of uh, assurance there, and I don't know why that there's a physical thing that 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 I could you're interact just old, with. Brother, you're out of time. You're out of step. The technology's. Passing you by. It is passing me by. The uh, so so yes, the car displays are are um, important, and also uh, these OLED dispro- displays that that are thin enough. They're being uh, uh, marketed as uh, I think LG has one that you can roll up. It's like a sixty-five inch um, TV that you can that you can roll like a like a newspaper. Or now, something. we talked about roll-up displays as prototypes years ago on the show, so it doesn't sound like technology is moving very fast. Well, maybe not fast, but it's still wicked cool to have a 60... I mean, 65 inches is, you know, a substantial display. It's like uh, a, a, a beach towel, right? Yeah, so so you can roll it up and, and lie on the display on the beach, I guess. Um, but it it's interesting to me because... We're such visual animals to begin with, you know, and we think there's been a lot of hype around the voice user interface. And what I'm really seeing uh, a lot of is this interface convergence that I just did not, I did not expect, right? I, you know, when you always think of these exclusive categories of interaction, and we're really starting to see this overlapping, right? So, so you could have your voice UI, your touch Right, and and then your uh, your your screen display and maybe some gestural things, right? Combined with biometrics and, and whatever else it is, there's this um, you know, for lack of a better term, I'm just calling it UI convergence. But it's multiple kinds of inputs, some of them that require uh, sort of physical interaction, others that that are more you know the spoken 
uh, uh, vocabulary for the voice UI. And then, of course, you have the sort of traditional, I'm pointing at something, I'm going to move it here. I mean, touch really sort of brings that. Um, it's the epitome of that, but you're still doing essentially the, uh, the point and, and click type of interface. Um, so that, to me, feels like something notable from, from a user experience standpoint, because now you're talking about the potential of having uh, UI that spans a number of digital and physical interactions, um, which I just, I, you know, as, as much as I understand these separate modalities, like having them all together in your home or in your car uh, is exciting to me and, and, and something that, that uh, I, I think is noteworthy. I mean, it's all about having the right user interface, right? The correct user interface and um, having something that is bringing things together so it's the right tool in the right moment for the right thing. I mean, it makes perfect sense. Yeah, I mean, something as mundane as, as communicating while commuting, right? So, so you have multiple uh, potential modes there, right? Like if you're on the train or something, you might be texting. Uh, but if you're in the car, you might prefer it for the uh, virtual assistant to read the text message to you, transcribe your reply. Um, or, you know, maybe if you're stopped at a light or something, you could just... Uh, point to some generic response like, hey, I'm driving or, or hey, you know, be there in five minutes. Things that are, you know, would require a little physical interaction, but not, not a ton, not enough to distract you from the task at hand, right? Yeah, I mean, that could still be, that example could be voice as well. But I mean, the bottom line is it's the right, what's the right interaction for the right context? It's all about matching that properly. Yeah. And I think what's sort of exciting about uh, these technologies we're seeing roll out at CES uh, 2018 and uh, the sort of the potential for uh, the user experience to, to broaden for the user is, it, like you said, it's, it's about context. It really is. It, and in the past, I don't think um, there was maybe as much, as much weight uh, attached to that for, for a particular interface. I mean, uh, you know, the laptop interface is sort of the same thing, irrespective of the context that you're in. There isn't a lot of uh, potential for transformation. It's just this thing that sits on your lap and you can, granted, you can do it in the coffee shop or, or whatever, but it's, it's limited in its ability to uh, to, in, to morph into something more appropriate, right? Whereas with all these technologies, I, I think there's a challenge in there too because you have all of these uh, potential user interfaces now, so you have to make some decisions, and uh, I'm sure that we're not going to get it right uh, you know, all, all at once. I mean, it's what smartware is all about, right? I mean, the laptop as a tool that we're familiar with is just that, a tool, what smartware is about is creating these interactive environments that is the right, the right thing in the right place at the right time. It's not just here is your tool. It's going to behave the same way in, in every context. Yeah, so I, I'm excited to see what else comes out of CES uh, 2018. But those are uh, some of the themes that I've seen from, uh, uh, from the show so far. Listeners, remember that while you're listening to this show, you can follow along with the things that we're mentioning here in real time. 
if you just head over to thedigitallife.com, that's just one L in the digital life, and go to the page for this episode, we've included links to pretty much everything mentioned by everybody. So it's a rich information resource to refer to while you're listening or afterward if you're trying to remember something that you liked. You can find The Digital Life on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Player FM, and Google Play. And if you want to follow us outside of the show, you can follow me on Twitter at John Follett. That's J-O-N-F-O-L-L-E-T-T. And of course, the whole show is brought to you by GoInvo, a studio designing the future of healthcare and emerging tech, which you can check out at GoInvo.com. That's G-O-I-N-V-O.com. Dirk? You can follow me on Twitter at DNemeyer. That's at D-K-N-E-M-E-Y-E-R. And thanks so much for listening. So that's it for episode 240 of The Digital Life. For Dirk Niemeyer, I'm John Follett, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>